You're listening to the official podcast of the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities with your host, Director Jeff Davis. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Davis, Director of the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities, and we're going to talk today about the blueprint work and all of the effort that went in and so many committed individuals in our system that have spent time with us talking about the future of adult day and employment services. So I am pretty excited this morning to have three absolutely wonderful people with us and we're gonna let them introduce themselves. So I'm gonna start with Nate Turner. Hey Jeff, thanks so much for having me. Uh, as Jeff just said, my, my name is Nathan Turner. I serve on the Ohio Self-Determination Association and the Lucas County Board of Developmental Disabilities as the first board member receiving services from the county. Outstanding. Thank you. Nancy Richards. Hi, Jeff. I'm Nancy Richards, and I work for the Clearwater Council of Governments. But in regard to the Blueprint Group, I represented the Ohio Self-Determination Association along with Nate. I was very excited to be a part of the Blueprint Group because it was a chance to be with a lot of forward thinkers on what our system could become. So I appreciate that opportunity. We are so very grateful, Joelle. We are so happy you're with us. Introduce yourself. Hi there. Hi, Jeff. Um, my name is Joelle Barrett. I am with the Cuyahoga County Board of Developmental Disabilities. I am the Service and Support Administration Manager at the County Board. I was on Blueprint as a representative of the Ohio Association of County Boards. Very honored to be able to be a part of that great team and was very excited to participate in the Blueprint work group with um, getting the perspective of so many people from so many various entities of our field, advocates and families and um, self-determination organizations, providers and county boards and people who, who do the work every day. Just really excited to hear everyone's input, was really happy to um, all the focus group work that was done prior to us meeting, just to hear the different perspectives, to really know the direction that um, we were being asked to move forward in. It was a great opportunity and we had some great groundwork to get us started. Joelle, thank you and thank you for being with us. So for those of you listening that may not um, have the full background, we put together this blueprint work group uh, in January of 2020. And of course, we were interrupted a little bit during the virus and everybody was patient and remained committed and we are so appreciative for that. And finished our work in May of 2021 with a set of recommendations about what the future can look like, should look like, how do we get best advantage of sort of, in some respects, even a clean slate? Where do we go from here? Uh, how do we design services that are sort of best for those that we are obligated to support? So who wants to who wants to start? To each of you, what is the best piece from your own perspective that came out of the work group? And I don't know if Nathan, you wanna start? I certainly can. I, I know two or three pieces immediately come to mind. I'm definitely impressed that the self-directed transportation service got so much attention in the development of the work group. I think that it's going to be a huge opportunity for folks with disabilities in terms of navigating their communities because a lot of our regional transit providers, and I, I don't know if you know 
how much work I've done in the Toledo area, Jeff, working with transit and advocacy around transit. But all of the regional transit providers are definitely struggling, especially in the Toledo area. And that is also true for our waiver providers in terms of providing staff. So I think a lot of the individuals that are supported in our system aren't really having the opportunities for community integration that would be appropriately commensurate for a meaningful life. And transportation is just a critical, critical piece of that. And my hope is as the self-directed transportation service evolves, it effectively becomes a three-headed ELA monster in terms of giving the individuals flexibility to access transportation wherever they need it, whether it's through more of a natural support or credits through a ride share or community transportation or waiver transportation providers. And I don't know too, if you're aware of the work that I'm doing in Lucas County with respect to financial self-sufficiency, I'm uh, working with the Lucas County Board of Developmental Disabilities on a grant called Money Matters. And part of that is educating adults with disabilities on the benefits of competitive employment. And so through that, I'm really impressed at the development the work group has done on employment, especially with the standalone benefits analysis work, because that piece is critical as we as a system have to meet people where they are in terms of whether you know they don't think work is right for them, whether they wanna embrace a stepping stone approach where you know they're working part-time and still maintaining eligibility for benefits, or if they wanna make the leap and go full-time into work and having an integrated strategy that begins with a benefits analysis and continues through job development and employment navigation and collaboration with OOD and other state agencies um, is a great strategy. Oh, I appreciate very much that very much, and maybe we can come back to that a little bit. Let's follow up on the self-directed transportation. So what we're attempting to do, and actually what we will do, is create an self-directed transportation service that allows us to access and pay for what in essence are non-Medicaid transportation services. And the nice piece to this, actually Nathan, if, if Joelle and Nancy don't mind, I would love you to chat a little bit about your own challenges with transportation, but our goal is to get this service into all three of our waivers, our self-waiver, our level one, and our individual options waiver by July of 2022. And I think many of us are very, very excited about this, but it might be a good idea if you're amenable again to chat a little bit about your own challenges and why some creative thinking is in order. Yeah, no, I, I'd be happy to. And just for context for your viewers, I have a pretty advanced form of cerebral palsy and I need a lot of physical supports to essentially just live. Um, and that would include transportation. But the problem I face is that even though I live in a big urban area in Lucas County, we have a transportation system that's funded by property tax. And so it's not countywide. I live outside of where my community transportation goes. And I've struggled with waiver providers giving me the flexibility that I need and just being picked up on time. So I actually had to purchase an accessible van 
to have the freedom and ability to access the community as I needed, and my staff have to drive me. And I don't know if the department has thought about integrating purchasing accessible vehicle adaptations into the self-directed transportation service. That's something to consider as the department is developing it. But um, it's just it just goes to show that transportation is difficult for a lot of different people. And the way that we meet the need has to be individualized. I'm super excited, Jeff, about um, the self-directed transportation. I have thought that it has worked really well in self for a long time. People have been able to kind of get there by using um, Lyft and Uber and those kinds of things. And I think one of the neat things for me is it brings us a lot closer to using our real community um, to get people the natural supports they need. The other thing is it gives absolute control to the person on when they want transportation, when they need it. I don't think it matters if you're small, medium, or large counties. Everybody needs something that doesn't exist in the transportation world with the waiver services. And waiver providers do an awesome job getting people where they need to, but this just takes it to a whole new level. Having seen some of the little the rules coming out, I'm even more excited that, you know, things will be handled very non-bureaucratically. People will get to use Uber, Lyft, their neighbors, whoever it might be. And I think we're really on to something with self-directed transportation. So big kudos to getting it in there. You know, a lot of people have wanted it for a long time. Uh, the other thing is Uber and Lyft are so far ahead of us in technology already they can really do some neat stuff. I have a friend who uses Uber to get to and from work, and she has to be there at five o'clock in the morning. She's on the self-waiver, but she's scared to death of those Uber drivers. And Uber, um, she can text right through the Uber app that she's in her Uber, and she has friended me, for example. So I see every one of her Uber trips And that has allowed her to feel absolutely secure in this setting, which I think is really a a neat add-on. We're going to get some side benefits from it. I just want to chime in. This is also an area that um, we're very excited about. I think that like what Nathan was saying about his area, even though he lives in an urban area and certainly Cuyahoga County um, has many urban areas within it, there are those outlier communities that aren't served as well by public transportation and people haven't been able to access maybe community employment as much as they would would like to or could um, because of those transportation barriers. I think we have heard this time and time again when planning with people about barriers to getting jobs or barriers to going places in the community and transportation has always been in the top five list of barriers. So we are really excited about this and opening this up for people and just giving us more opportunity to plan for accessible transportation. So this is a big win, I think, that this group was able to achieve. Yeah, and the best communities, I think, have strong transportation systems because they recognize the value and inclusivity that a strong transportation system brings. You know, transportation is employment, it's healthcare, it's community integration, you know, it's so many things. Yeah, I I appreciate this very, very much. I mean, we have 
We know this has been a need for such a long time and the on-demand services are so very difficult when we're dependent on, on a Medicaid structure alone, you know, through our traditional non-Medicaid or non-medical transportation. So anxious, uh, excited, we'll get it done, won't we? And then we'll adapt from there. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate personally and professionally your commitment to this and okay, we're closer. All right, and we could talk about that all day because that is that certainly is a highlight here, and I am actually very excited too that that we'll have this in all three of our waivers. You know, we're in the process of revising ourselves in level one to make those more flexible. I do truly hope and take the subcaps out of level one and allow people to prioritize transportation if that's what they want to do. Uh, but to put it in the IO, of course, is essential if we're going to make this truly to implement it in the right way. So thank you, thank you, excited. What's next? What else do you see coming out of that that has that kind of foundational or formative change? Well, if I can jump in, um, I think from just a service and support administration planning with individuals, their families and teams, we're really excited about some of the simplification um, discussions that we've had towards some of the, um, all of the adult day array type of services and supports that have been available. We made great strides with the um, the rule that currently exists now with helping people have options. But I think that through the work of Blueprint, knowing some of the barriers and challenges that we face with the current structure and coming up with new ways so that services and supports are truly outcome-based. Um, we've done great work with, with helping people identify their outcomes and helping people identify if they want to um, be competitively employed, or learn the skills to become competitively employed or have more community inclusion throughout their day. All of these different things that help people um, have a rich, varied day. I think that if we can move in the direction of making that as simple as possible with funding structures and figuring it all out for a person so we can really say, what do you wanna do with your day? What are your outcomes? What do you wanna achieve? And helping and having the structure be there so we can build it for people with provider support and with the rate structure that exists in order to do that is something that's really exciting. Um, so people can have a variety to their days and be able to do lots of different things that they wanna do to help them um, meet and achieve their outcomes. Thank you, yes. And I know along those same lines, one of the things that I'm really intrigued about is the department starting to support day program providers to transform themselves into more community-oriented settings? I know I look at um, examples like Vertical Harvest in Wyoming as a possibility of you know something we might be able to do. I know the initiative would probably be based on what we do well in Ohio, which is making things and moving things predominantly. You know, but maybe there's something we could do with the trades so that you know folks that might have more cognitive disabilities but really thrive on repetition you know might be able to really succeed in that sort of environment and figuring out you know from the waiver how do we integrate all of their supports to promote their long-term success and give them more financial and personal independence I appreciate that. So maybe that leads us into talking a little bit about uh, the basic employment skills training or BEST, which is really sort of a intended to prioritize skills training and, you know, move to change. 
right? We are historically facility based. And now we have to think more about how do we become, you know, given all the challenges today, so I don't want to minimize any of the existing challenges that we have out there, but how do we begin to, you know, focus more and more around the individual and what skills they need? That was a statement, but also a question, if you like. You know, how do we see this system transitioning that, that just as Nathan said, to be more community integrated, particularly in light of prolonged virus period and the staffing, you know, scarcity and I think a big part of it has to be education and changing the mindset around working. I just know growing up, I, I had a very supportive family who expected me to work, but I always had, you know, this monster in my closet that said if I had more than $2,000 in the bank, I was going to be cut off for public benefits. So we need to do more to educate families around the work incentives that they have to support them in working, but also we need to do more to change the mindset among, you know, maybe some families and service providers about, you know, the value of work that people with disabilities bring and just the perspective on working and fears about working. We need to be prepared to address that and we need to allow people with disabilities to learn from their experiences, you know, positive and negative and help them to make changes when appropriate. I think we have, um, an incredible opportunity right now through the pandemic and through the labor shortage in every field to really kind of go after the skills training and the employment in a brand new way. And the blueprint is giving us an opportunity to maybe contract with some, you know, some experts that can help us think a little differently on how to move there's probably never going to be a better time to get people employed. Everybody needs somebody. And we really have to seize on that moment, this moment for people and get people jobs that maybe nobody ever thought of before. And we're going to need our system to respond to that and probably some help in thinking about how to do it. I think that the pandemic, as bad as it's been, and as long as it's been, and everybody's exhausted, has given us time to think about how do we do something new? And I have seen some amazing, awesome stuff done by providers that never thought they could do groups of four and make it work. The stories are just great. And so I think it's a perfect time to really look at the system and change it and be open to all those changes. Yeah, Nancy, um, absolutely. I just wanted to jump on what you said. Um, I was going to go along with those same line of thinking. I think the opportunity that this pandemic has given us to support people in smaller groups, either virtually for the most part or in the community, has allowed providers and teams to really get to know people in a more kind of personal and individualized way, really discover what's important to people, what people really want to do, and be able to build some very unique services and supports for people and just explore interests in different ways that we haven't done before. And to really take this opportunity to move forward with this, because that is the direction to help providers and support providers to be able to do this so that they can support people in small groups and really do the discovery with them and explore their communities with them or learn what skills they do need to learn in order to move on with employment. 
I think that we just need to capitalize on this opportunity and move forward. And it's exactly in the direction that I think Blueprint, back when we met before all of this even happened, um, we were thinking about this and, and it kind of happened in a natural way and we just need to move forward with it. So it does give us a great opportunity to have our system experts um, be able to expand on this for us and help us. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think the digitization of the economy has given us an impetus for so, so much change. And the, the possibilities are endless in terms of, you know, maybe being able to develop some content and share it with a wide variety of people or collaborate with a specific subject matter expert across the country with the click of a mouse. Just the opportunities are tremendous, and I can't wait to see how we all develop it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and the whole tone and the way that, that you have captured this morning, I think, does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? So we have a convergence of events that we couldn't necessarily have predicted and wouldn't ask to have. And yet we have, you know, ultimately some opportunities, whether, you know, it is technology, whether it is employment, whether it is taking a, a real life stab at setting rates that incentivize the you know where we really want the future to go which is part of what the blueprint group recommended to you know any number of things that get us well we're going to take a a big hard long look and make changes to both our ddp and our aai you know all of it really does i think offer us opportunity for shaping a future along the lines of what we wish you're nodding your heads, but I think if it's uh -huh. affirmation that is verbal, this is a verbal podcast, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm 100 percent. We agree, Jeff, <laughs> or at least I agree, and I think they agree too. We're also excited about some of the training opportunities that come. A lot of the part is in blueprints is getting um, some really good resources and toolkits and training available for teams. I'm excited about transition work that will be moving forward and really helping to give some valuable resources for teams to help those kids who and families who are in high school learn about the adult system and the whole scope of services that are available in the adult system. We've made good progress, but I think working with our partners through Employment First and throughout the state and getting those resources really in the hands of teams to help understand and having our blueprint group formulate outcomes and opportunities for people who are getting out of school to be able to really you know, just do whatever they want to do once they get out of, of high school. Is it, If it's post-secondary or go right into work or go into some skills building, having a lot of opportunities available and all of us understanding what those really are is really going to help, I think, with transition work. So we're really excited about that opportunity too. I would agree that focusing on transition work is critical. I know that you know how passionate I am about the independent living philosophy and allowing the DD community to embrace that. I think really focusing on transition age youth gives us an opportunity to develop really strong peer support models with other adults with developmental disabilities and have great mentoring type relationships to help the next generation be successful. Oh, I appreciate that. And you know, it might be um, as sort of things would have it. We have an opportunity now to mesh this also as we begin work on and implementation on a sort of different way in which we assess and plan for services. And so there there really are a, a number of puzzle pieces that if we do this well can be put together at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a good opportunity to really look at 
just really transforming the system with all those puzzle pieces coming together. And part of also, as the Blueprint Group worked on, we do still, you know, have to figure out in a better way how we support individuals that have more complex needs, right? Physical and and behavioral. And maybe you can touch a little bit on those conversations that happened. Yeah, I was definitely part of, of having some of those conversations. And I feel like some of the move forward with nursing services being available. And for people with those types of needs, I think that maybe getting out to a place wasn't as accessible to them because of their intense medical needs that they may have had or the challenges, physical challenges that they may have had needed help with. And so allowing to have nursing um, be available to those individuals will give them the opportunity to be able to get out, get out of their home, have a new environment, new services and supports that may be available during the day. So that is also something that we're definitely looking forward to. And I think that it'll help meet the needs of more people. Challenges ahead, but not with that, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. So what did we miss? What would you like to add that perhaps we didn't cover? Joelle? Um, I think that we touched on some of, of the highlights. I think that, you know, I'll go back to simplification. I'm looking forward to the work that the system experts can get in and, and look at. You know, I think we talked about like the career planning service area that we had developed is complex right now with the different ways that that service can be given to people. And so hoping to simplify that so that career planning can become a service that is accessible to individuals and gives people an opportunity to learn the skills to become competitively employed. I'm looking forward to changes with that service and just a simplification of the whole model so that like I again as I mentioned people can really have their outcomes and and have their supports met throughout the day in a variety of different ways that is easily accessible and understood for everyone. Yeah, Nancy. I think uh, one of the things we forgot to mention is that part of the blueprint group was about so how do we measure this in a way that makes sense to families and individuals and the system in general. And so there was a lot of conversation of developing and bringing someone in to help us figure out how do you measure we're getting where we wanna go. So it's the system where we want it to be, are people having the lives they want and how can we all kind of measure in the same way to make sure we're achieving those goals. So that was a big part of the conversation as well. Thank you. I think I would agree with Nancy about the measurement piece, but I, and I know the department has internal metrics that it uses, but I would stipulate that, you know, if we're doing our job on the blueprint committee, and I think a big part of that is really focusing on self-determination, you know, we're going to see an interest in more people becoming their own guardian and finding employment and really integrating with their communities, maybe asserting themselves more with their rights. I think helping individuals understand their rights and responsibilities is one of the core things we can do as a department and really focus on advocacy and understanding what that means. So, yes, I think we're off to a great start and we should continue to build upon it. And I just want to throw in there, um, just as part of this discussion, I think communication efforts is going to be vitally important as these new services are developed. And I, this is great with communication about 
the outreach to the people that we support in the field about what Blueprint's been about and what we're looking forward to. But as we start moving along and developing the services and developing, you know, what all this looks like to continue those communication efforts so everyone knows every step of the way and everyone understands what this means and they understand what services are available and come out of this blueprint. That's going to be vitally important is to keep those communication efforts open and transparent and understandable. That's a great point, Joelle. While we're still here, I, I, I just, may I say, I know that you're running the podcast, Jeff, but I, um, I have a question. So if, if it's okay, a quick one. Make it a hard one because he's recording it. Oh, <laughs> ask for the moon, Nate. Ask for the moon right now. So, my well, it's not a question like that. It's more of a <laughs> philosophical question. <laughs> so, so Jeff, since you've come on board at the department, I really have seen an emphasis on having a really collaborative relationship with individuals served in the department. And I'm wondering if you can talk about the importance of that to you and how we can continue to collaborate so that the individuals served have more of a voice in governing how services are delivered. Yes, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I appreciate your comments. So, you know, my sort of overall approach and or philosophy is really not very complicated as it really is. It started out with an effort to just remind us that, you know, we're a very human system. And out of that, the best way that I know or think of to, you know, to have conversations is to, is that sort of um, affection, uh, some of the better qualities of human beings, that affection and respect and uh, kindness. You know, if you start there, you can pretty much have any conversation that that you need to have as difficult as they are. I'm not sure that our system has always been as good as it could be in some just very basic ways around those things. And I'll stop, you know, I'll stop after this. Our system has evolved over the years and it's certainly, you know, much better than it was 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 40 years ago. And it's always trying to adapt and better. But I think that there's... Uh, ways that we need to continually get better at the ways in which we treat each other and, and most certainly treat those that we support. I have one last thing I'd like to mention about the blueprint just really quickly. I think you guys had just the broadest representation from every possible area, even past what I would be able to think of, which led to having to have a masterful facilitator. And I would like to say Jackie did an amazing job letting everybody's voice be heard and ensuring that everybody had a chance to be heard. Kudos to her. She did a great job at getting everybody's voice heard. Yeah, Jackie is immensely talented. There is no question about it. And, you know, what proved even harder remotely, it is harder remotely. And yet all of you, you know, you stuck with it and, committed yourselves and, and I appreciate the comments on Jackie. I'll certainly pass it along, but but we know it too. She's she's proved herself. And that that certainly makes an immense amount of difference if you have, you know, that kind of structure and leadership. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. I think the work on the workforce crisis task force has been great to start off. So Yeah, that's 
it's tough in its own way too <laughs> yes okay so again i want to thank joelle and nancy and nathan and if you want more details about our subject today you can find all about the blueprint work group you can find the official blueprint proposal and it is all available on our website at dodd.ohio.gov and we would love to have you check that out and be part of the ongoing discussion so thank you all again very much you've just listened to another episode of the official podcast of the ohio department of developmental disabilities if you've enjoyed this episode please like and share with others for more news and information from the ohio department of developmental disabilities please visit dodd.ohio.gov you may also subscribe to our monthly publications and follow DODD on social media and connect with us in our Facebook forums.